Welcome to the Front Office Exchange, where we take a look at the careers of executives and rising stars within the sports business. Now, here's your host, Jake Failing. This is episode 15 of the Front Office Exchange podcast, and today we'll hear from David Shoemaker, general manager of Razorback Sports Properties. David and I, uh, we were both marketing interns for USA Baseball back in 2003, man, in what was both of our first jobs uh, out of school. When USA Baseball, in what was a shocker at the time, uh, failed to qualify for the Athens 2004 Olympic Games, the USOC cut our funding. We all kind of panicked. Um, David Perkins, who you've heard on uh, in a previous episode, he did a great job uh, you know, helping lead USA Baseball through that process. But there were a lot of changes. Uh, my role was diminished uh, from that marketing coordinator role. Some things changed. I ended up moving on to the USGA. Uh, and then David was let go altogether. Um, he talked in the podcast about what came next for him. It was an internship with Octagon and how he took what he learned from his USA Baseball experience to become a harder worker, a better networker, and someone who just in general says yes to opportunities. Uh, and now he's gone on to lead one of IMG College's leading properties there at Arkansas. You know, we've heard from two members of IMG College already, Jason Wilmoth and Will Baggett. Back in episode 10, they worked directly for IMG College, but now we're going to get to hear from someone leading the charge for one of its universities. So without further ado, David Shoemaker of Razorback Sports Properties. David Shoemaker, welcome to the Front Office Exchange. How you doing, buddy? Good, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. So, uh, you know, to get you on the phone here, uh, you sent me a picture. So this was, I mean, moving mountains to get a landline. I appreciate you uh, you jumping over the hurdles to make this happen. <laughs> you know, I'm, uh, well, and it makes it sound like I'm really advanced, but the other option you offered me was Skype, and I'm actually the least technologically proficient 35-year-old on earth, so I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know how to do Skype. So, You've um, never done Skype. Yeah, so we brought the landline back. We got the landline installed. This is the first call on it. We're, I'm hoping it works, but uh, I'm excited for the landline. I feel like I have to post a picture of this phone. I mean, it was the saddest, loneliest-looking landline I've ever seen. Is what they had is Nortel. Does Nortel still exist? It says Nortel on it. I, I have no idea at this point. But regardless, <laughs> regardless, I appreciate you making it happen. Um, and yeah, you know, as I said in the outset, you and I go all the way back. I think respectively to both of our first jobs, our first real jobs when USA Baseball was trying to figure it out back in the Triangle. Yeah, absolutely. Straight out of college, uh, 2003, I guess um, we were. We were, you know, and I, I think they're up to like 100 people at USA Baseball or 30 or 50 or something. We were like number eight and nine, I think, when we were there. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I, I had David Perkins on uh, one of the earlier episodes, and that's what he says. He says all he does now, it's it's all focused on talent and building the roster there. And I mean, you and I, I just remember <laughs> packing up a U-Haul to help them move offices into the Durham Bulls park. And it was literally just the two of us in addition to, yeah. uh, 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 you know, the, the handful of full-time people. So it's unbelievable to see how far they've come. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it, it's, it's, I guess it, some days it seems like it's not that long ago. And some days it seems like it was a, a really long time ago, but yeah, that's, that's where we got our start. Yeah. And then for you now, GM of Razorback sports properties, and there's a lot to talk about 
in between. Uh, but let's start there. So, uh, you know, I know you took on that role a couple years ago. So why don't you uh, give us just kind of an update on what you're doing there uh, at Arkansas? You know, it's tied into IMG. We've had a couple people on from IMG uh, on earlier episodes as well. So if you could talk about what you do, how that relationship works both from the IMG perspective, but then how you're kind of ingrained, intertwined there at Arkansas as well. Yeah, we've, you know, I'm, I'm here at Arkansas with the Razorback Sports Properties. Uh, we've got a, an eight-person staff here that is our, our IMG employees working on campus at the University of Arkansas in the athletic department alongside their staff. You know, the marketing folks are, are right across the hall. And so, um, you know, we work with them as their rights holder. I think IMG has been the rights holder here since 2008. Um, to basically maximize their corporate sponsorship opportunities. We run the radio network. We run, uh, you know, the advertising on the website, signage in the stadiums, all those things. And then the biggest thing, obviously, uh, now I think is is intellectual property and people, you know, the official uh, chip or the official truck of the Razorbacks and, and people wanting to align their brands alongside the Razorbacks. So we've got a team here that works hand-in-hand hand, uh, with the athletic department. We we really view ourselves as part of the athletic department in every way. Um, but at the end of the day, we're IMG employees. Uh, they're here intertwined with them. So obviously Arkansas is one of the uh, premier uh, properties in terms of college sports in the country. Um, you know, how has that move for you uh, to Arkansas been? I guess this is twofold. One, what's it been like building uh, your team there? Um, and then I know that you were in the area prior uh, to taking on that role. We can work backwards to Octagon as well. So uh, what's it been like building your team um, and just in general living in Fayetteville? Yeah, you know, it's a, this is a very special place. Um and not to jump around too much, but I was I was working for Octagon in North Carolina, and I got the opportunity to come uh, with Octagon out to Arkansas, and I I couldn't have told you anything about it, other than the professional opportunity that I got was great, and so I jumped at it, and uh, I, I've been out here, uh, we moved out here eight years ago now, and uh, I've been here with IMG the last three and a half years in this role, working with the Razorbacks, and the really cool thing about the Arkansas Razorbacks is you know, the, the Razorback is the state flag for Arkansas in, in a lot of ways. There aren't any other professional teams. There aren't any other major Power Five schools um, in, in collegiate athletics. And so there's an affinity for the Razorback, for our teams, and for that brand that travels the entire state. You know, you and I grew up in North Carolina, and you'd walk into a restaurant, and somebody might be a Carolina fan or a state fan. Um, if they were from out of town, they might be a Duke fan. But, you know, there was Clemson and there was Wake Forest and there were teams everywhere. And so it was a little bit of a culture shock for me coming here and realizing, hey, everybody rallies around the same team. Um, so it's really unique. It's really cool. Um, and then from a from a, the corporate side of things, what we're doing, reaching out to corporations, you've got you've got Walmart here, the, the largest company in sure. the world. You've got Tyson headquartered here. You've got J.B. Hunt. Uh, all of those have their headquarters within 20 minutes of where we sit here on campus. Um, and then with Walmart, you've got the added, you know, there's a, a massive office here for P&G and for General Mills and for, um, you know, Kimberly Clark, Johnson & Johnson, all these major companies that have huge presence here um, really makes it a unique place unlike anywhere else that, that I've been. 
So you took the opportunity with Octagon uh, to get there, but what's it like recruiting there? You know, as you've built your team, we talked a little bit before we started recording. Um, you know, Arkansas, like we said, is big brand, SEC, a lot of visibility. But to your point, Fayetteville is a little bit of an unknown. Um, so as you've built that team, is it are you finding people out of state? Um, you know, what are those you know, recruiting hooks that you put out there to, to help build out your team there at IMG? Yeah, you know, part of, I guess, the counterpoint to what I just said about it being the only the only sports franchise, the only, you know, no other pro teams is, you know, it's it's not like you're uh, in a big pro city and you take somebody from the football team and recruit them to the baseball team. Um, so we've, it, it's been interesting. You, you've really got to have people that, that get this place that have an affinity. And so for some of the entry level positions, it's a little easier. You get somebody who's completed an internship at another, at another school or another sports franchise or, or, you know, and, and obviously as you, as you know, we all have friends in the industry that, can pick up the phone and say, Hey, I've got this intern. I don't have a position for them. I know you have an opening. They'd be great for it. And that's the the currency that we all trade on is if someone that I trust tells me that this person's good, then they're going to the top of the list. So those positions are a little, are a little easier when you're trying to find, you know, we're in, in sponsorship sales. So most of the spots on our team are for salespeople and it can be hard to find someone that has uh, experience selling corporate sponsorships um, to come to Arkansas. So we're very fortunate in that we've got a couple of guys that have been here um, for a long time that are some of the best in the business um, that have, have been on this team since the beginning. And we've, we've added a few folks since I've been here where we've gotten creative. You know, we've got uh, two people on our staff right now who were formerly uh, nonprofit fundraisers um, and have, have adapted to, okay, they knew – they knew the area, they knew the the landscape and the people here and came in here and learned on the job, learned collegiate athletics and sponsorship sales, hmm. uh, learned that component of it and, and have been great additions to our team. So you're leveraging transferable skills a lot of times. Yeah, I think anytime you're you're hiring someone that you you look at and you say, Okay, there's here are all the things that I think I would love to have in this position. And then you look at the candidates you have and you see how many of those you can fill and the and the spots that that they don't have, you say, Okay, can they learn that? Can I teach them that? Um, you know, can and you and you prioritize. And so sometimes it's hey, this person gets it in general, they seem like the right type of person, they seem like the right type of fit, they seem like the right type of worker. Um, these other things that they may not have, I think we can teach them. And, right. uh, and that, that's, that's important in developing any team. And you look at the other members on your team and say, hey, I can't really teach them this, but this other person on our team can teach them this. Um, and so I think we've done a lot of that and done a good job of that uh, out here. Sure. Now, I know this sports properties model, uh, this IMG model exists in many different universities, but can you give an idea of how it breaks out? Again, before we were recording, you said it sounds like a, um, a flat, relatively flat organization. So as the general manager, you're overseeing a team of how many? And those are all primarily salespeople. Are they working specifically with sports, some with partners? How does it operate? Yeah, we've got uh, so we've got an eight-person staff that includes me. Um, we've got two partner services coordinators, who are essentially the people making sure that everything that we 
promise our clients it, they're going to get that they actually get those things. Um, and then we've got um, five uh, account executives, salespeople that are that are working directly with clients. So they're managing the Mars account, the Ford account, um, you know, all of our different partners, and they've each got their own book of business that they're managing and that 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 they're working to grow and working to um, to provide value to those partners. And then they're working back in conjunction with those partner services coordinators to say, okay, basketball season's coming up. We got to get all the basketball radio spots in, all the basketball LED in. Um, you know, how can we make these things all happen? How can we problem solve? And then we've got a team, you know, with the IMG model, we've got a team of people in Atlanta, a team of people in New York working on national sales, a team of people in Winston-Salem that uh, that are resources for us and are helping um, helping us provide provide all the things that we need to provide for our clients. So we're, we've kind of got eight people that sometimes we feel like we're out here on an island, but we've got all those resources and all of those other offices that all of our collegiate properties are, are, are working back to. Now, how's Fayetteville been for you personally? You mentioned you're a North Carolina guy. Uh, you and I both came out of a basketball school. Uh, you've now been in Arkansas for you know more than the three years you've been at IMG, um, but you talk about your family. I know you're having some kids. So what's it been like personally for you uh, there in the state? Yeah, it's been great. Um, you know, my wife and I moved out here eight years ago. Um, I now have a, a six-year-old boy, Wyatt, and, and a two-year-old daughter, Maddie, um, who are native Arkansans. And, wow, yeah. Born here, and this is, this is, this is all that they know. Um, and so, it, you know, it, there are a lot of similarities from, from growing up in North Carolina that you feel like uh, you basically move straight west. And so, um, you know, the latitude's about the same. Um, and so there, there, there are just a lot of similarities, I think, in terms of way of life. But I, I think that Fayetteville, um, it's, a, it's just a cool, cool place. It's a unique town up here in northwest Arkansas. And then you know, in this in this role, more so than in my role with Octagon, I've got to spend a lot of time in the central part of the state near Little Rock. Hmm. And, um, you know, it's a small state. There's three million people in the state of Arkansas. Um, but but there's a lot going on. I mentioned the businesses earlier that are that are operating here. So um, it feels like a small pond with a lot of big fish in it sometimes. And it's, it's just a unique, uh, really cool place to be a part of. Awesome. So let's go all the way back. So USA Baseball to start your career, uh, and then you left USA Baseball. Walk through, if you can for me, you know, what your mindset was at the time. You know, did you want to stay in sports? Did you want to, you know, is what you liked about USA Baseball the events um, experience that you gained and you wanted to stay on that track? Um, but then from there, you know, what was that next step for you? And then obviously we can work through to Octagon and then IMG. Yeah, so, um, you know, I was at USA Baseball, and it all runs together now, but I, I think we were, you and I started there about the same time. I think I was there less than a year, and as you'll recall, um, we lost an Olympic qualifier to Mexico, which meant that, that the U.S. was not going to be represented in the next Olympics. And to my recollection, which may be incorrect, it meant that our budget went from something like $2 million a year to $1 million a year because the Olympic Committee funding um, was not going to be there. And I was making approximately a million dollars a year. So yeah, so you uh, lost it all. Yeah, that's a shame. <laughs> as we both were. So that was that was pretty much the whole budget. Yeah, it's a ma- the but overhead no, and, was you know, incredible. In, in all seriousness, you get to a, a a spot like that as an organization, right. you got to say, okay, what can we cut? 
and uh, I, I was one of those things. And so um, it was actually a great experience to get very early in my career um, to be kind of in this entry level. I don't know what we called it. We weren't quite full time, but we were. Yeah, I think we were co- quite coordinators. Interns. Yeah, and and then I left yeah. right after you. I mean, it was the same thing. Now looking back, you know, to have two marketing coordinators reporting into a, a head of marketing, you know, now realizing the model that USA Baseball has in the triangle and what they're, you know, their focus is more broad now with, you know, getting more youth to play baseball and events yeah. and things like that. So, you know, I think it was a good learning experience for all of us involved, but yeah, I left about the same time as well. Yeah. And so it was, uh, but you know, I, I, I remember, kind of stepping back at that point and going, okay, what do I want to do next? I, I did love being in sports. I loved, you know, you mentioned the event experience. We went down and ran the, the Junior Olympics uh, in Florida where it was like 144 teams. And I remember doing the math and being like, okay, we've got 600 kids or whatever it is, or 1,200 kids, which means we have 2,400 parents who all think that, that their kid's going to make this national team. Right. Um, and so you dealt with that and you dealt with a rain delay, meaning that you need to, to reschedule games that were running all day on 14 different fields. And, and, you know, it was a, like we talked about, it was a, a bare bone staff, Massive so basically operation. myself yeah. and a lot of volunteers down there, um, doing all this. And it was, uh, you know, I, there were some nights I slept on t-shirts in the, in the Cardinals clubhouse at their spring training facility down there in Jupiter. Um, but I really loved that experience. And so when I took a step back, you know, and it's funny, you lose a, a job where you're, you're not really making a lot of money and you're straight out of school and you have no responsibilities. And, but when you're in that situation, you never look at it right that, like that. I remember I had a, like a $500 a month rent and a, a $50 a month payment on a Ford Taurus. And I was like, Hey, I gotta get a job. I got, I'm going to be on the street. That was a great car. Though. Um, it was a great car. Um, <laughs> So anyway, we, uh, you know, I took a step back and I evaluated a lot of things and I had a a journalism degree. So I looked at, do I want to get back into that? I'd done an internship at a TV station um, previously. I looked at, you know, when you're in that position that most of us who work in sports are, that you get out of school when you start finding some unpaid or not very highly paid internship, but your buddy goes to, you know, work at enterprise rent a car and makes what you think is a ton of money at the time. Right. And so you're like, maybe I'm going down the wrong path here. So I remember talking to somebody at, uh, you know, Hertz equipment rental, and that looked like all the money in the world at the time and an opportunity that was in front of me. And then I got a, uh, I got a job offer that was, that would have still been in sports there locally. But at the same time, um, friend of ours, Jeff Singer, went to a Chamber of Commerce event, I think, and sat next to some people from Octagon. And as I, you know, they were at one of those big rubber chicken Chamber of Commerce events, and there were 10 seats at the table, but only six people. So Jeff, as the story went, ate all the salads at all of the empty spots um, on the table and came back with a business card and said, hey, here, you should call this guy. He's with Octagon. And so I remember sending an email to Paul Campion and saying, dear Mr. Campion, my roommate met you at this event. He was the guy who ate all of the salads. Um, but I'd love to come talk to you about any openings that you that you may have. And uh, the this rest is of unbelievable. Ended up at Octagon in what they called a limited term role, sure, which basically meant with all of these other opportunities that I was evaluating, really probably the best decision that I've ever made career wise was 
I said, you know what, this is where I think I want to be. It was a big company. It was a for-profit company. And one of the things I remember evaluating after the USA Baseball experience was you got to be somewhere where you can prove your value. And in a for-profit company, you know, even if you're not in revenue generation, you know that's the bottom line. And so you're going to be proving that, that you're helping the overall mission um, and that you're contributing to that in one way or another. And so um, I really knew that was where I wanted to be. So I took kind of the um, the thing with the least short-term potential in that I took a job that I think was supposed to last from March to September. It was basically an internship with, with a stipend and no benefits um, versus taking some of the other full-time opportunities that, that I was looking at. And about maybe four to six weeks in, uh, somebody left and a job opened up. And I remember going to Jeff Kleiber, who was my boss's boss at the time and saying, Hey, I, I know I just got here and you don't know me, but I really think I could be a fit for this and would love to be considered for it. And he was very noncommittal in his way. Um, probably said, okay. And, um, you know, we had a, we had an event coming up. We had a nationwide tour event in Raleigh and I just put my nose down and worked, uh, as hard as I could possibly work for as long as I possibly could. And, you know, two months into the internship, I had a full-time job. And, uh, and so that led to, I think, uh, you know, that, that led to some good years at Octagon. Well, I'm not going to let you off the hook that fast. Uh, so some good years at Octagon. Now, what did that mean? So did you stay in, uh, the Raleigh Durham area for a few years working on various events? At what point was there the, okay, you know, you're going to get promoted. It's just like any other industry, any other functional area, um, you know, sometimes moving, whether it's overseas or something like that, you know, that's what it takes to advance you in your career. So um, what was that timeline like? What was that decision like for you? And at that point, yeah. your young family. So, so the job that I, that I was given there was, was basically an operations coordinator um, position at Octagon where I was working on the nationwide tour event in Raleigh, the Champions Tour event in Cary, and then a Champions Tour event in Naples, Florida. So it was it was great. I would I would spend, you know, nine months of the year in North Carolina and three months in Florida from you know, December to February. Um, and so it was. I became a ninety year old snowbird at that point. After after three winters of that, I couldn't do winter anymore. Right. Um, but it was it was an incredible experience getting to travel, work at golf tournaments. Octagon also had tournaments in you know, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and in New York, and so we'd travel and go help out with those, but I was primarily focused on those three events, um, and then I met another uh, VP in, in the division, Andy Bush, and worked on an event together in Texas, and Octagon had just picked up an LPGA golf tournament in Rogers, Arkansas, and so I think I had been with the company in that operations capacity for, um, three years, three and a half years, something like that, and got the opportunity to move to Arkansas and become a tournament director, which meant I was moving beyond operations into sales and marketing and, and you know, media and over, overseeing uh, those other areas that, that went into running a professional golf tournament. So it was a huge career opportunity to me. Um, so kind of like I said earlier, I just, I, we packed up and came. So, um, so at this point, you're 26, 27, and you are married. 
I was, yeah. Okay. That's how we did it in those days. So um, when you said let, yeah. <laughs> how we did it, what, <laughs> instead of like horse-drawn carriage? Okay. Yeah, uh, you know, back in our day, right after senior prom, got married. Yep, this is the um, Oregon Trail, right. Um, so, so Christine and I had been married uh, probably two years Okay. when we um, when we headed out here. So you said, babe, LPGA event, Rogers, Arkansas. And she's obviously, she was thrilled. She was thrilled. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting looking back, you never evaluate these things as you're going through them. But as right. I recall, she was having a very successful career of her own. No, um, I remember that. That was, that was probably far more lucrative than mine. Let's be honest. Right. Um, but she was, she never wavered. I, you know, I think I wavered. I think I said, Hey, what if, because I, I, I felt like I was pretty good at what I was doing in operations um, but I had no idea if I could do sales or, or any of those other aspects that went into being a tournament director. And it was a new tournament, which with a new tournament, you know, you don't know if the tournament's going to be around 30 years or, or three months. Um, you, you know, you've got to go out there and prove that you can make them financially viable. So there was a little bit of unknown of, okay, what if we go out here and I do a terrible job or I do a great job and, um, it doesn't work out. And so uh, the folks at Octagon were, were great. They were like, listen, this is going to be successful. If not, we'll figure something else out. Um, but yeah, Christina was very supportive and that, hey, let's go. You you know, this is going to be successful. And she was excited and, and pushed me towards it. So uh, that was huge. Very cool. Now the transition to IMG. Uh, so were you recruited by them? Uh, you know, Octagon at this point, you'd been with them almost 10 years, it sounds like a, a great family and you'd build a great relationship there. Um, the tournament became successful. Um, what was that transition to IMG like? I mean, obviously it's a, a, a great opportunity that you've got there at Arkansas. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I'd been with Octagon at that point when I came over, I think I ended up probably eight and a half years, something like that at, at, at Octagon. Um, and so, you know, as I mentioned, Arkansas is kind of a small place, and uh, Ryan Gribble was the general manager for IMG um, here at the time, and we had gotten to know each other basically just from being two guys in town who were working in the sports industry. Um, you know, I was at Octagon 20 minutes up the street in Rogers, and he was with IMG down here on campus, and so I'd gotten to know him a little bit, and I heard that he was making a move within IMG to Georgia, and I remember calling and leaving a voicemail um, where I said, you know, Hey, heard about the move. Congrats. Let's, uh, catch lunch before you leave town. And at the end of the voicemail, I, I kind of just throw away comment, made a comment like, you know, and throw my name in there. Um, and I got a, I got a text back from him maybe two days later that said something like, you want a shot at the title? And, uh, I'd also been, you know, had the opportunity to meet Jeff Long and meet a few different people in the athletic department, uh, during my time working on, on the golf tournament and really had, um, was plenty happy at Octagon, but then, uh, this opportunity opened up and kind of didn't know if I was interested and, and threw it out there. And then as that started to become more real, um, you know, college athletics is a funny thing. We talked about you're an IMG employee, but you're part of the university. And so it's not like working at a pro team where the, the owner of the team says, hey, yeah, I'm good with this sponsorship. Let's go do it. 
um, there's a lot of stakeholders and you've got a, an AD that has to be comfortable with what you're doing and a chancellor that has to be comfortable with what you're doing. So uh, all of that to say the interview process for this job, I think I met and with 13 different people between IMG and the University of Arkansas, mostly one-on-one, -on -one, um, 13 different interviews um, to, to get to the point where, uh, where I ended up here. Wow. Um, and then, so is that common within IMG? I know you said the former GM went for another opportunity. Do you see that a lot within IMG and the various properties? Yeah, I think it's a, um, it's a company that offers you that. You've got various properties at various sizes. And so someone, you know, can, can gain experience at one property and then move up to another or move on or move, you know, as you know, in this industry, you go where the job is, you go where the opportunity is. And so, Maybe you, you go chase an opportunity across the country and then decide that you need to get back closer to family and an opportunity opens up um, closer to home. And so, I, yeah, we, we it's one of the advantages of a company of this size with um, people on the ground in so many places that, it, that offers that opportunity for, for movement within. What's next for you? What's coming up for IMG, Razorback, Sports Properties, and then the university as well? What, what's your next project? What are you excited about working on? You know, the big thing we've got in front of us on the horizon is uh, a new stadium renovation to our football stadium. Um, right at the end of this season that we're in, um, as, soon as, as soon as our last home game is over against LSU, they're going to demolish the Frank Broyles Center that's been kind of the home to um, – administrative offices for athletics and, you know, football locker room and all of that. And then over the course of the next two years, um, extend the concourse to connect the entire stadium, build some, uh, some luxury suites and some loge boxes and other things in there. Um, and then renovate all of the club areas and the existing suite areas in the stadium over the course of the next two years. Um, so I think that's exciting for our fans and, and going to create a lot of opportunity uh, for us to create inventory um, new video board on the south side of the stadium that that side will look down at. Um, so it, it'll be a, a great opportunity for us to work with the athletic department. We've got a very cooperative re relationship there where we get to, to go out and figure out, hey, what's something new? What's a new feature? What's a new thing we can do on the video board? What's something new we can do um, on social media that you know a sponsor could bring value to? Um, we, we just got a new video board in baseball last season that I believe is the biggest video board in college baseball. We got a new center hung video board in basketball that may be the biggest center hung video board in college basketball. And so we've had a, it, it's been great, uh, working with athletics to try to come up with new ideas, new things to do on that, that we may have been limited in the past, um, on how to do. So it's an opportunity for us to get creative and hopefully, uh, find a way to bring in new revenue for athletics and bring in um, some extra value for, for our partners. Now, hearing all these exciting things that are going on, and I understand that you're, you're limited um, to respect uh, in respect to the university that you're associated with, but I wonder, is, is there any uh, a competition among the various sports properties, um, programs, you know, almost as if there's like a... Um, like Teambo for the NBA where there's, you know, best practices or resource for you all to go to just, uh, you know, do you look at any other properties and say, you know, these guys are really doing it right. Or I like what these guys are doing. Uh, I'm just curious if there's any of that, uh, internal competition. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know that if they're supposed to be, but certainly that's the way that we're all wired. So when we get together for a GM meeting, um, you know, we met in Atlanta a few months ago now with all of the GMs from the southeast region. Um, we meet. We met as a company uh, back in February with everyone from IMG College. Uh, we have a, a conference call every other week with all of the GMs uh, in our region. Um, where we share best practices, talk about things we're doing. Could be anything across the business. Could be employee recognition or, uh, you know, new sponsorship idea, um, whatever that could be. But we're all wired to uh, to talk a little smack and to uh, to try to one up one another and raise the bar uh, whenever we can. So it's a great network um, and kind of opportunity to to be around our peers and to talk and to pick up the phone. You know, we get to we get the opportunity here to travel with our team a lot. So every week, I'm going uh, to another school, to another stadium, and walking around and and trying to to steal every idea I can find, and then calling that general manager the next week and say, Hey, I saw this the sponsorship that you have. Tell me about it. How'd you come up with that? How's it working? Interesting. Um, it's 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 a great opportunity. Yeah. So in wrapping this up, you know, if I'm hearing you, you know, you looked at adversity early on in your career and you know you use that as motivation you went in you put your head down you you got a, a full-time job out of an internship pretty quickly um, and then just said yes you know to the opportunity there in Arkansas uh, are those you know one correct me if I'm wrong but to, you know, are those the things that you like to impart on those people that you hire those people that maybe you rub into run into and um, uh, at the GM meetings that you just referred to, you know, what's some advice uh, that you like to pass along? And on the other side, uh, maybe some of the best advice that you've been given. You know, um, some of the some of the best advice that I've been given. Uh, Andy Bush, who was my boss at Octagon for a while, told me, uh, you know, early in my career, just find a way to say yes. I'd run around at a golf tournament, and run myself ragged, figuring out forty ways to tell people no. Um, without being a jerk if they ask for something that I couldn't do. And so you get that uh, you get that a lot in this business in sports. You get people are asking for something all the time whether it's tickets or an experience or you know the golf tournament, can I borrow your golf cart and drive it out to the parking lot. Um and and what I realized was you can you don't have to just say yes and and be if you if it's something you can't do, but how do you find a way to help that person? How do you say no you can't drive my golf cart to the parking lot, but hop on, I'll take you to the gate over here. It's only two minutes out of my way. Um, you know, no, I don't have any tickets for this sold-out game this week, but um, here I can put you in touch with somebody who might, or um, I can find you tickets to something else, or I can I can help, you know, try to help people in whatever way you can. And it was, I remember it being a, a great stress reducer to, uh, to fi- find a way to say yes, find a way to help people. Um, you know, as as far as ad, advice that I that I would pass on to other people, I, I have kind of a reputation um, for being somewhat evangelical about 401ks. So new people that get <laughs> okay. hired, I've been known to sit at their desk and make them log in, and then I figure, you know, I lecture them on the fact that they don't have any real bills or responsibilities, and they need to contribute more into their 401k um, because I think that that's something that you know you want people to not wait 10 years into their career to realize that that's probably a good idea to be contributing into. Um, so it's a little outside the actual business. I, I was going to say, business. I was that's not expecting thing. that answer, but I'm really impressed. Papa shoe. I yeah. like it. <laughs> hey, I'm the, the picture of responsibility over here. No kidding. Um, 
you know, as far as, as mistakes you see people making, the the thing, the, the buzzword that kills me sometimes, and, and we've probably said it five times in this in this interview, is networking. Um, but I almost hate the way that I see people going about it sometimes, which is like they're collecting people, like, I, oh, I need to meet this person for my network, you know. Right. I think over the course of your career, you get the opportunity to work with a lot of different people. You come across a lot of different people on a project in various capacities, and you just try to work with people and treat people the right way and do a good job and make a strong impression. And then you look back one day and you say, I've got a pretty substantial network. Sure. Um, I think sometimes people can be almost too inten- intentional and I, I want, want people to realize how important it is um, and realize that the, the value in it, but you can almost be too intentional in setting about doing it. And um I don't know that there's a lot of, of value to that. Yeah, and then you end up at the end of the conversation, the person saying, well, how can I help you? And then you're sitting there stuck, uh, you know, and I've been guilty of this in the past too. And then you say, uh, well, I just wanted to meet you. And yes, like you said, yeah. there is some value to it. But at the end of the day, you know, that person's going to want a, a mutually beneficial uh, relationship uh, in many cases as well. Yeah, or the other side of that is that you know exactly how that person can help you, but that person right. doesn't have any incentive to want to help you yet. Right. They don't know you. Right. Um, so I think you just you know people need to to just be authentic in your relationships is is the main thing. Is you you're not sitting around building your collection of of people. We don't we don't keep rolodex anymore, so you don't have to worry about you know how many cards you can put in it. Um, you don't wait. You don't. No, you know what? I just I'm actually looking at one that I'm about to throw it's, out. It's next to your landline. It's right next to your landline. <laughs> it's right next to my landline. Um, so no, I, I think that's important. I, right. You know, I think uh, I, I try to to uh, I try to get people to focus on. Uh, you know, I, I think and not to be the old guy sitting here talking about you know young kids today, but people get very focused on what the next steps are in their career. And I'm fortunate. I feel like I've been in a career where I've always been focused on what I'm doing right now. And you know that the next step will present itself if you do what you're doing right now the right way. And so, you know, you, you people, you've got to be competent at what you're doing before you're going to get the next step. So don't get into a job and be over-focused on, hey, what's where am I going to be in two years? Well, let's figure out if you're any good at this before you know where you're going to be in two years because that will dictate where you're going to be in two years. Yeah. Um, and so you really you really have to uh, to coach people to say, hey, take an opportunity for that opportunity. Yes, you should you should look at what could happen down the road and what it could lead to, um, you know, and know if you feel like it's a dead end or not. But I've been in interviews with someone where they're asking me on the first interview about the next job, and I'm thinking, man, I need somebody for wow. this job. Wow, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I'm trying. I'm not just trying to hire you to further your career. I've got a responsibility. Yeah, you got to build the bench a little bit to, too to own for me here. Sure. Interesting. Um, who is in? Well, first, you mentioned a few people uh, over the course of this podcast. Do you have any mentors currently, or? Were those gentlemen that you mentioned at Octagon, I mean, would you point to them as a couple people that have really helped you along the way? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's important in your career, you, you know, to – this you know, could probably fall under the last question with advice to young people, but you want to look at who you're going to work for. And to whatever extent you can look at that person, you're entrusting them with your career to an extent. Right. And uh, I've been fortunate. I've had, I had three bosses at Octagon – uh, Jeff Kleiber, Jason Camp, and, and Andy Bush, and then two here 
at IMG and Scott McKenzie and Tracy White that uh, I've always felt like I had a good boss and that I had somebody that I could that I could pick up the phone and I could learn a lot from and I could bounce a question off of or say, hey, I got a situation here I'm not real sure how to handle. Um, and that's that's huge. And, and and then you you know when you as you develop your own staff, you hope that you're that person for your staff um, because it is a big responsibility. Who is in David Shoemaker's ideal foursome? I mean, you worked in golf, you've worked in sports your whole career. If you've got to wow. pick three people to go out and play with, they could be uh, colleagues, again, mentors, athletes, family. Anybody, give me some good ones, because and you can't use Michael Jordan. I mean, can't say Michael Jordan. No, all these Carolina guys are saying Jordan. This is getting boring. Come on, so you got to give okay. me three strong, strong golfing choices here. Wow, that's a that's a strong one. Yeah. Um, man, I'm not prepared for this question, and I'm going to overthink it. Do you like to play? Far too much. You time. like to play? What's that? You play, right? Yeah, I played. You know, it's funny. I played a lot at Octagon when I was working in golf right? and now I play far less often and far better when I do play. Wow. Um, it's, it's interesting. So, um, yeah, I, I love the game, love to play working in golf made me a golf course snob, um, by having great opportunities to play at courses that I could never otherwise, uh, afford to play or even be invited to. Well, let's switch it around along those lines. If you can't think of a foursome for me, uh, what's your, you know, people, they work in sports, people get jaded. You know, you go to all these right. events, you meet a lot of cool people, athletes, all the above. But is there still one event um, that still gets you going when you when you walk into a stadium or watch on TV, anything that, um, just an event you love to go to or a sports experience that you've appreciated? Yeah, you know, I... I um... I think I still get excited about that. Um, I, I get excited for SEC football. I get to do. It, I get to go to that every week in the fall, and um, you know it's a big deal. It's a big stadium, and yeah. and it's uh, it's top notch every week. And so I love SEC football games. You would think that I'm playing or coaching or contributing to the game in some way because um, you know I get up early and I'm nervous all day, and then I'm angry for two days if we lose, or I'm on top of the world for two days if we win. Um, so at SEC football, the bigger the, the bigger the venue, the bigger the game, the bigger the opponent, um, gets me excited. I had the opportunity to go to the Final Four uh, this past year for the first time, and and that was really cool. I think uh, the one that I haven't done that's on my radar is the World Cup. Um, although I don't I don't plan on going to Russia or Qatar, um, but nope. you know maybe maybe farther down the road. Uh, First, Fayetteville is Fayetteville's the Qatar of the Southeast. No, is, or am I? Was that another city? Did I get? I that? don't. That didn't sound like a compliment. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Qatar is no. amazing. Are you kidding me? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should say it the other way around. It's the Fayetteville. Oh, never mind. Um, well, hey, man, I uh, I appreciate you coming on. Um, it's been awesome to watch you continue your rise in sports. I mean, you and I were in the same boat. You talked about it. I, I mean, we were both making no money, but having a blast. Um, and then we've obviously had our, our different paths through sports and now you're doing great stuff there at Arkansas. So I appreciate you taking the time and uh, I look forward to continuing to, to watch you do some exciting things there. Thanks, Jake. Appreciate you having me. Good to catch you up.
Thanks for listening to the Front Office Exchange, where you hear about the careers of some of the leading executives in sports business. Visit us at frontofficeexchange.com, on Facebook, at Front Office Exchange, and on Twitter, at Front Office EXCH, to access past episodes, show notes, and much, much more. 